Today is Wednesday, April the 20th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, as we sit at the halfway point of the SEC baseball season, I hand out grades in the annual midseason report card as I talk South kind of pitching, hitting, fielding, coaching, and give the overall grade for the first 15 games in conference play as well. Also, guys, we have our annual midseason award show as I hand out awards to the Yardcocks for things such as the Coonskin Cap Award, the Michael Roth Award, the Scott Wingo Award, the Win Anyway Award, Best Moment, TSUS Midseason MVP, and much, much more. Also, guys, as we sit here on this game day, as the Yardcocks turn to action as they travel to Rock Hill to take on the Winthrop Eagles. Guys, I'll break down that game. In its entirety, first things first, we'll talk Winthrop. They're pitching, they're hitting, and of course, we'll dive into South Carolina, who their projected starting pitcher is, what to watch for, the key player for tonight's game, and I will lock in my prediction as well. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday, and of course, as always, it's brought to you by the Spurs Up Show Store. Guys, TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet, be sure to stay tuned on our latest drops, including T-shirts, tank tops, long sleeves, pullovers, hoodies, koozies, stickers, flags, you name it. We got it. Everything you need to satisfy your Gamecocks merchandise needs. So, again, guys, that's TSUS.store. TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fifteen more to go. That is the mood as we sit here on this Wednesday, as we look back on the first half of SEC play and look ahead to what lies ahead for the Yardcocks in the final stretch of this 2022 baseball season. Folks, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host 
of the Spurs Up show as always. And we have got a packed show for you today. Again, I hope this show does find you. I don't matter where you are, what you are doing. Hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday. Hope you're enjoying some fantastic weather throughout the state of South Carolina. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It's starting to kind of feel like summer is just around the corner, which yours truly, I am a summer guy. Love the beach, love the pool, love the lake, love anybody of water. And again, Really, really excited for the warm weather to return. But again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Hope you're having a great Wednesday, great hump day, and very excited to chat with you here on this Wednesday, guys. We've got a lot to dive into. Before we do, though, one quick reminder, of course, no Tin Roof show tonight. Tin Roof in the Vista. They do have a rental tonight, something they're doing. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but there is no Tin Roof show tonight so again just wanted to keep you all updated no tin roof show but of course the podcast the daily crow all the content rocking and rolling as normal and again guys as always i appreciate you all rocking and rolling with the punches as well but again without further ado guys like i said we got a lot to discuss a lot to get into and we do this each and every single season basically for every sport and we do this of course each and every single year for south Carolina baseball our mid-season report card and the midseason award show as well. And of course, guys, we will do this yet again at the end of the season. But I thought, you know what? At the halfway point of SEC play, I thought this was the perfect time to stop for a moment, reflect on the first 15 games where South Carolina sits currently. Also, of course, hand out some hardware for some guys who have earned it. And uh, like I said, look back and also look ahead to what lies ahead and where South Carolina needs to improve most if they're going to make a run the rest of the way out. So again, let's go ahead and dive into it. Hey, just like when you used to be in school, report card day, we're all anxious, we're on the edge of our seat. Is this going to be a report card we want to show mom and dad or is this going to be one Hey, if you're unfortunate like me, I wasn't the best student. You want to hide that report card as long as you can. And you got your parents ask you, hey, didn't report cards come out last week? And you say, uh, no, I don't think so. I didn't get a report card. So anyways, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it, guys. We're talking pitching, hitting, fielding, coaching, and the overall grade as well. And of course, we're going to start on the mound. And we'll actually start overall. Sal kind of sitting six and nine on SEC play. And when you look at the bump and you look at the arms and you look at the pitching through the first 15 games of conference play, the statistics are interesting because I think when we think of, you know, when we look at those first 15 games, the starting pitching, all things considered, has been there. When you factor in the injuries, especially the injury of Julian Bosnick and the way that has affected this rotation, I think South kind of starters have you've done about as much as you could with what you have Noah Hall been a pleasant surprise posting a 2.97 ERA Will Sanders while the numbers aren't great he is two and one for you and at times he has flashed and shown you that dominant Will Sanders stuff and then Matthew Becker you know who has started uh you know three games for you and I think as a true freshman especially early on in SEC play you felt really good about however it has been the bullpen that has been your undoing. And guys, when you look at the numbers for this team, I am going to be harsh when it comes to this report card, and there's a reason so. Because the numbers are not pretty. While there have been some bright spots, like I mentioned Noah Hall, Will Sanders, Matthew Becker here and there, Cade Austin, the fact of the matter is this. In SEC play, You have posted through 15 games, 130 and two-thirds innings pitched. You have posted a 
5-4 ERA. And I know many folks will point to the injuries, and many folks will point to the quote-unquote lack of depth, but simply put, that is not good enough. Again, I have been thoroughly impressed with what Noah Hall has done. He has gone above and beyond anything I expect. And I tell you what, really, truly kudos to that young man for coming into a situation where, guys, you know, I, I talked about Noah Hall even in the preseason. I thought he looked really good, and I expect him to be our top reliever. So for Noah Hall to be thrust into this starting rotation role, a role that he was not brought into fill and pitched the way that he has against some of the best competition in all of college baseball, I think it really speaks to him, his game, his competitiveness, and his edge. Again, Will Sanders, I think, has spun the baseball you know, pretty good for you most of the time. Again, he hasn't been quite that dominant Will Sanders we were hoping for or we thought for. But I think those numbers for him, that ERA will come down, and I think the numbers will even out. With that being said, we're not just judging one guy. We're not judging two guys. We're judging this thing as a whole. And as you sit here at the halfway point, and you're set this weekend to begin the second half of SEC play, your weekend rotation, I could argue, is still a mess because you're starting Aiden Hunter, a true freshman, in game ones. You are so thin in the pitching staff, that, that you have had to make Matthew Becker a quote-unquote swing man of sorts. You're having to use him multiple times in a weekend. And when you think, guys, right now, I think this is a telltale sign as well. When you think, how many guys are we confident in to hand the baseball to? How many guys are we confident in to hand the baseball over to on a weekend-in, weekend-out basis? And right now, I would say the list is Noah Hall, Will Sanders, Cade Austin, Matthew Becker, for the most part, and I mean, outside of that, outside of those four guys, who else did you feel really, really confident? I mean, John Gilreath just had his best outing of the season against Ole Miss, but outside of that, he has gotten hit around 14 ERA he has posted in SEC play. I mean, you look at these ERAs, 54, 15.58, 14, 13.5, 11.57, 10.80, 9.82, 8.10. There are not many guys you feel very confident in right now giving them the baseball. For that reason, guys, I'm going to give the pitching staff to the first 15 games of conference, conference play, I'm going to give them a D overall grade. The only thing that keeps this from being an F in my mind is the starting pitching and is Noah Hall and Will Sanders that one-two punch. I mean, that's really the reason right now, guys, why South in a six and nine, because those guys have been able to pitch their tails off. And you feel like when those two dudes take the mound, you're going to have a chance to win. But as a whole, it has been very rough, again, posting that 6.54 ERA. And in turn, that is why I give this pitching staff at the halfway point a D overall grade. Guys, let's move to the hitting side of things. And this has been... No better. You could argue it has been worse. Um, again, there have been bright spots, just like on this team, right? Just like on this team. You sit 18 and 17, 6 and 9 on SEC play. It's been a rough season to this point. But there have been bright spots in this season, and there have been bright spots on this team, even swinging a bat. You look at Brant Belk, who is hitting a scorching 396 and SEC play slugging 642, three homers, 11 RBI. You look at Josiah Seitler, who's really coming to his own of late, hitting now 302. Just those two guys are the only two hitting over 300 in SEC play. 
that's where the drop-off happens. And that, I think, is what's been, you know, to this point, so disappointing, is guys that I was really looking at as veterans that I was counting on and veterans that I was depending on. And again, there's still 15 more games to go in this conference, right? There's still 15 more. There's still five more weekend series. But at this point, dudes that I was counting on and that I was depending on, they just simply have not come through for you. I mean, Braylon Wimmer hitting 233, Kevin Madden, 229, Andrew Eister, 229. I mean, those three right there are all veteran sticks that you should be able to look to to be productive for you. Colin Burgess hitting just 200. Michael Braswell, I mean, I know he's a true freshman, but he has gone ice cold since starting SEC play, hitting 137. Evan Stone, who started 10 games for you, hitting 154. Carson Hornung, who started 13 games for you, hitting just 114. Again, guys, I know you're 6-9 and nine in conference play. You found a way to win six games. Because I tell you, when you look at these numbers, it's hard to believe that there are a couple of teams that have a worse conference record than you. I mean, really, truly. It's it's damn near a miracle that you're six and nine when you pair a 6.54 team ERA in conference play and hitting 221 as a team. Guys, I'm giving the hitting an F. I, I'm sorry. It gets a failing grade. I, I, we, we knew we lost some sticks in Brady Allen and Wes Clark, but the hitting has been atrocious. And I said this earlier in the season, and I'll echo it yet again. This is last year's lineup without the pop. This is last year's lineup without the home runs. And again, I know you found a way to beat Ole Miss, and you rode a couple of, you know, a Braylon Wimmer homer and a Carson Hornung homer, and that was a fun weekend. That was a fun day. But top to bottom overall, you got two guys hitting over 300. And your next highest average is 233. I mean, that's pathetic. That's pathetic, bottom line. So, I give the hitting an F. I, you know, it lacks explosiveness. South Carolina is allergic to a big inning. It is painful to watch South Carolina try to score runs. And again, the numbers speak to it, guys. I, if anything, I'm being too nice. If anything, I'm being too nice. You're hitting 221 as a ball club. By far the worst mark in the league. Like I said, it's a miracle when you couple that ERA and that average that you're six and nine right now. I mean, you probably deserve to be a lot worse. So again, I'm giving the hitting an F. I'm giving the hitting a failing grade. They got 15 games to figure it out and get hot. But right now, while it might feel a little harsh, I I think an F is very fair. I think an F is fair. You know, I I didn't have crazy expectations for the sticks. I really didn't, right? But I thought hitting 260, I thought hitting 265, was going to be realistic in SEC play. And, I mean, you're not even remotely close to that. Heck, it took a hot weekend against Ole Miss. You know, at one point, your your conference average was 202. You were hovering around 200 as a team. So, top to bottom, first 15 games, it has been absolutely brutal to watch this team swing the bat. And even when they've scored, it's felt like it is like nails on a chalkboard watching us trying to score runs. Guys, let's move into the fielding. And this is an area South Carolina has actually excelled. 983 fielding percentage. Um, I've got no issues with the way the Gamecocks had defended this year. 
Um, I don't think Colin Burgess is having quite his best year behind the dish in regards to throwing guys out. But, you know, I love what you have in the middle with Braylon Wimmer and Michael Braswell. Um, I think the while the the they have not necessarily been there offensively, I do think your young freshmen, the Hornungs, the Stones, they have been plus additions in regards to defensively. Matt Hogan, even the speed in the outfield. I think Kevin Madden's as solid as they come when it comes to a third baseman. Um, I've had no issues at first base. And again, overall, I think it's been fairly clean. I mean, you, there's not many times you can think back where defense, especially in SEC play, has really cost us at all. So again, I am going to give the fielding an A. I, I got no issues with the fielding. A 983 fielding percentage, that is a that is a pretty high quality mark. I mean, again, you'd like to be perfect, of course, but it's baseball. You're just not going to be. So 983 fielding percentage. I'm going to give this group an A when it comes to fielding. I, I think we've been pretty solid in the field, to be honest with you. Uh, let's move into coaching. Oh, and this is one that's going to be highly debated for sure. Um and I'll tell you guys this, the majority of you tuning in, the majority of you that are even still interested in hearing baseball coverage, you are on the fire Kingston train. And that is fair, rightfully so. And I have told you all my stance that if South County does not make the postseason this year, I do believe that a change should be made because again, five years, four seasons, whatever, the disturbing trends, the noise outside the program, there's enough smoke there to pull the trigger and make a move necessary for the program. Again, looking, though, at these first 15 games and the job that Mark Kingston and this entire coaching staff has done. And while I've been harsh in some of my previous grades, I actually even feel like this one is a little – is is pretty nice. I think it's actually pretty nice. And I don't I don't dislike Mark Kingston. I dislike a lot of his thought processes, though. I am not a fan, and I know many of you say, well, Chris, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It worked, whatever. I still, though, sit here going into the second half of the season. I don't understand the move to not start Will Sanders in game one. I don't understand, you know, the baffling move in the series against Georgia where you bring in Matthew Becker in relief. There have been so many questionable decisions. And it's just time and time again where you can just tell that Mark Kingston is almost outsmarting himself and he's overthinking this game of baseball. And I know he's an analytics-driven guy. Listen, you need the analytics. The analytics are important. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't pay attention to the analytics. I'm not saying that. But you can't just solely live off of analytics. And my debate back to the people that say, oh, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's just keep starting Aiden Hunter in game one. If you're going to throw him at some point anyways, okay, why would you not just throw even a Noah Hall or a Will Sanders game one and do your best to go up 1-0 in the series? And I understand you start talking matchups and, well, we're going we're gonna to put Hunter out there game one against their ace, so that way you know our ace doesn't throw against their ace. Guys, that is such a loser mentality. It's, it's just like just to basically say, well, we're just going to concede that first game. And you know what? I guess if it works the rest of the way out and South kind of goes on a magical run and, you know, goes to Omaha, I will eat my words gladly. But, but I, I just, 
I don't agree with the strategy. I know they're having to get creative. I understand, but hey, we could also say that speaks back to coaching and development. I mean, you got guys like Parker Coyne, Cam Tringali, John Gilreath, that are fifth-year seniors, and they're, they're no more contributors this year than they were as true freshmen. Hell, some of them, I think, have gotten worse. So for the coaching, I'm going to give them a C-minus grade. Again, I think that is very kind. I think that's very kind. And then, hey, you look at the hitting side of things. I mean, guys, the, the hitting still stinks. And at some point, it's like, are you just bringing in bad hitters? Or are you messing with their swings? What is going what, – what, there's a disconnect somewhere there. There's a disconnect somewhere, right? There is. Bottom line, there is. It just doesn't make any sense. Perfect example, you look at Brennan Malone. Guy I was high on last year. He got out of Columbia. He got away from Mark Kingston. Look what he's doing for Oregon now. The guy is tearing it up, and you can say, well, he's not facing SEC pitching. Guys, he's hitting like 340. I don't care what league you're in. So I'm going to give the coaching a C-. minus. I think Scott Wingo's done a great job, by the way. Shout out my dude, Scotty. But overall, top to bottom, it's just there's been a lot of questionable decisions. And I will give them some credit because you know what? At times, it has worked just well enough to secure series victories. But, I mean, even this past weekend, leaving Becker in there, pitching him back-to-back days, it almost blew up in your face. It almost blew up in your face. And you almost let a series go that, you know, you should have had without all those dramatics at the end. So a C minus, that's what I'm going to give the grade. I feel like it's a little bit nice, but I'm going to give them a C minus grade. And that leads me into my overall grade for the Yardcocks for the first 15 games of SEC play. And again, as you sit here six and nine, you sit here six and nine in conference play. And as I said before, when you look at those numbers, a six point 5-4 ERA and hitting 221 as a team. When you couple those numbers, it is shocking. It is shocking. South on a 6-9 and nine in conference play. Swept at Tennessee. You take two out of three from a top five Vandy team at the time. Lose two out of three to Missouri. Lose two out of three at home to Georgia, the 14th ranked dogs at the time. And then take two out of three against Ole Miss. And I understand you factor in competition. Four of your first five series were against ranked opponents. I get it. I get it. But, guys, that's kind of what you get. That's kind of what you get in the SEC. That's just what's going to happen, right? You're going to play ranked teams. It's the best, it's the best baseball in all the country. It's going to happen. And, and while the record could be worse, for sure, this, this just feels like a bit of a nightmare season to this point. And maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe my expectations in the preseason were too high. But sitting at six and nine in conference play, the inconsistencies, just the painful 
painful inconsistencies of this group. And looking and factoring a lot of the numbers, I mean, factoring a lot of the numbers, I'm going to give the grade, the overall grade for the first 15 games, I'm going to give it a D plus. I'm going to give it a D plus. Um, it's not okay to have a losing record at the halfway point. It's not. It's not. And I'd be lying to you also if I said that my thoughts and opinions, while this is a midseason report card for SEC play, specifically SEC play, that 18 and 17 record, those midweek losses, I'd be lying if I say they didn't affect my thought process just a little bit in that grade. I mean, truly. Truly. Because you've had opportunities this season to capitalize on momentum and you've just fallen flat on your face, you know, taking two out of three from Vandy and then losing to Presbyterian, for example, losing to the Citadel in a midweek before you took on Vandy. So thankfully, thankfully, you've had Noah Hall and Will Sanders here and there to bail you out. Thankfully, you have. You've been just inconsistent enough to get to that six and nine mark. But again, I just can't ignore those numbers, guys. 6.54 ERA and a 221 average. You're lucky to be six and nine. I mean, you really are. You're lucky to be six and nine. So again, my overall grade for the first half of SEC play, a D plus. And now that begs the question, as we look to the second half of SEC play, the second half of the season, if you will, because the SEC season is what really matters. And I posed this question for you all on Monday. How will South kind of finish up, and will it be enough to get into the postseason? I went on record, guys, and said Monday, I, I think the Gamecocks, they are who they are. I think this is going to continue to be a, a, an inconsistent group. I was not totally shocked when Carolina took two of three from Ole Miss because, again, this is a team that's going to have, as I said earlier in the season, going to have those flashes of brilliance. But then they're going to revert back to the boneheaded, inconsistent, maddening style of play that we have seen also at other times this year. So I think seven and eight in SEC play, I think seven and eight in the last 15, I think that's a fair mark. I do not think it'll be enough to get South down in the postseason. I mean, you're really at this point taking 18 and 17 overall, six and nine on SEC play. You would have to go on an unprecedented run, truly. I mean, you only have 19 games left. So I'm predicting seven and eight in conference play. I, I don't think it's enough to get the Gamecocks in the postseason. But again, overall, a D-plus grade. And again, just running back down them real quick. Uh, I gave the pitching a D, hitting an F, fielding an A, coaching a C-minus. And the overall grade for this team through the first 15 games of SEC play, a D-plus. And guys, I would love to hear your thoughts, your overall grades for the Yardcocks at the halfway point. All right, guys, on a more positive note, let's hand out some awards. Because like I said, while it has been a rough start to the season in regards to the first half of SEC play. There have been individual standouts that I want to dive into, and we're going to start with the Coonskin Cap Award. And when you're asking yourself, Chris, what in the world is the Coonskin Cap Award? That is the top hitter in the first 15 games. In case you did not know, South Carolina baseball within the dugout has taken to putting a Coonskin Cap on each other when they hit a home run. That's sort of like their scythe from last year. So the Coonskin Cap Award going to the top hitter through the first 15 SEC games, 
And guys, this one's a no-brainer. Brant Bell getting 396, three home runs, 11 RBI. What an addition he has been from Mizzou. You know, really everything I hoped he'd be in more. I thought he was going to be a veteran stick for you. And he has really set the tone for this ball club at the top of the lineup. So again, guys, the Coonskin Cap Award winner goes to none other than Brant Belk, hitting an astounding 396 with three bombs and 11 driven in. Guys, next up is the Michael Roth Award, which goes to the pitcher of the first half. And again, another easy selection, Ryan and pitcher Noah Hall. Two and two in conference play with a 2.97 ERA. And you dive even deeper into the numbers. I mean, it's it's been incredible. Like I said, guys, earlier, you're asking a dude that you brought in to be a reliever. You're asking him to not only be a starter for you in SEC play, but a lot of times be your number one guy. Hitters are hitting just 224 against him in SEC play. And in 33 and a third innings pitch, he has 30 strikeouts to his mark. I mean, it, it has been a lot of fun to watch this kid pitch. I would argue he's got the best changeup on the entire team. So again, Noah Hall is the winner of our Michael Roth Award. Guys, next up, the Scott Wingo Award, which of course is awarded to the best fielder of the first half of SEC play. And I'm giving this one to Braylon Wimmer. Braylon Wimmer has made some astonishing plays to the first half. Um, you know, again, a guy that I think we thought of him more for his stick than his glove. And certainly at times, you know, he, he's he's got a tendency to uh, you know, at least last year, boot a ball here or there, but I think he's been fantastic in the field. He is a, such a plus defender because of his speed and athleticism and his length and his range. So, again, guys, the Scott Wingo Award wing, winner goes to second baseman Braylon Women. It's only fitting, by the way, that it goes to a second baseman. I mean, it just makes sense. Guys, let's move into the freshman of the first half, the freshman of the first half of SEC play. And while I wanted to give this one to Matthew Becker, the, the numbers just aren't there, guys. Matthew Becker, in case you didn't realize, an SEC play, he is 0-2 with a 7.32 ERA. But I tell you, quietly, this freshman has been fantastic for you every time you've handed the baseball. And that is your relief pitcher, Kate Austin, 1-1 one one with a 3.14 ERA. He has two saves for you thus far in SEC play. That's in eight appearances, 14 in the third innings pitch. And he has 15 strikeouts. To his credit, so again, Kate Austin, the freshman of the first half, and a pitching staff that has been, you know, really rough, obviously, especially the bullpen. Kate Austin has shined as a true freshman and very excited for the future for him and Garnet Black. So again, freshman of the first half, relief pitcher, Cade Austin. Guys, let's go to the slap dick of the first half. Slap dick of the first half. And this one was really tough to determine because, honestly, there hasn't been too much antics in regards to slap dickery in the first 15 games. that There hasn't been too much antics. And so for that reason, I'm going to leave this one open to you guys. I would love to hear your suggestions. Who was the slap dick of the first half? Was it the Clemson fans who showed over the weekend of the Ole Miss series? Was it the Georgia fans who were obnoxious? Who Was it, was it Tony Vitello and his antics? Who was it? Because there really isn't one for me that stands out as the slap dick of the first half. I thought, honestly, everybody in SEC play was pretty well behaved. And I'm honestly shocked to be saying that. But you guys tell me, who was the slap dick of the first half? Do you have any suggestions? Do you have any thoughts? Let's move to the Win Anyway Award, guys. The hashtag Win Anyway Award. And, of course, this is the heart and soul of this Gamecocks baseball team through the first 15 games. And Mark Kingston has cited this. A couple of times in that when this dude toes the rubber and you can see it, 
And I've talked about it, and you can just see it. When he toes the rubber, there's a different type of, of energy. There's a different type of swagger. There's a different type of confidence. And, of course, I'm talking about your ace, your ace, Big Will Sanders. I, I think he truly has been, you know, when South Carolina's needed a big victory, um, they've needed a big outing. I feel like Will Sanders has risen to the occasion. Like I said, he has given this team the boost they need. So, again, the winner of the hashtag win anyway award, the heart and soul of this club through the first 15 games, give me right a pitcher. Will Sanders. Let's move into the best moments of the first half. And you might be saying to yourself, Chris, God, what could be the best moment? It's been such a rough start. I will say, though, being at Founders Park, that Saturday win against Vanderbilt, which is a, which was a fantastic ball game back and forth, and that went, of course, to clinch the series. I think thus far that has been the best moment of the first half of the SEC play. I, that, that just, you know, and maybe the walk-off against Ole Miss would have been, but, of course, we weren't in the ballpark because we were at the spring game. I was at that Saturday game against Vandy. Um, just an incredible game. Just an incredible game. You know, an incredible weekend. A weekend we thought we had, we felt like at least no chance. And, uh, you know, you take down the top five-ranked Commodores team and you get that win on Saturday. A beautiful day at Founders Park, by the way. And, and just, just a much-needed series victory. So, again, the best moment of the first half, that Saturday win and the win to clinch the series against Vanderbilt. And, guys, finally, that leads us into, last but certainly not least, the TSUS midseason MVP. And again, I, I've talked about this dude earlier, and I think it's well-deserved. The TSUS midseason MVP is none other than Brant Belk. What he has done for this ball club, what he's meant to this team, Sal kind of goes as he goes. Again, the numbers, guys, hitting 396 with three home runs, 11 RBI, two for four in stolen bases. And he also, he's also done it all for Sal Connor. He's played first base. He's played left. He's played center. He's even played some right. He's done whatever this coaching staff has asked him. And again, I just wonder, where would this team be without Brant Belk? So Brant Belk, guys, congratulations to him. The TSUS midseason MVP. And that's going to do it for our midseason award show for the 2022 SEC baseball season. Guys, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Who got snubbed? Was there anyone specifically you think that should have been included that I left out? We'd love to hear your thoughts on the winners, on the awards, and also, like I mentioned, the midseason report card as well. Guys, before we dive into the midweek game tonight in Rock Hill against Winthrop, I do want to tell you about our latest partner, latest sponsor. Of course, I'm talking the best real estate agent, the best real estate team in the local Columbia area, Marissa Kennedy, realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Coldwell Banker. And guys, the proof is in the numbers. This team helped over 250 families last year. They work with both buyers and sellers in Columbia and the surrounding areas, and they do premium advertising to sell your home faster with high-quality pictures, and video. Last year, guys, they sold homes for on average 5.4% more than the competition. And right now, guys, we're in a seller's market, but Marissa is able to get buyers under contract and in new homes by being available to show homes as soon as they hit the market, collaborating with listing agents to write offers to meet the needs and wants of the sellers, and keeping up clear communication throughout the entire process to ensure that you make it to the closing table without a hitch. Guys, give Marissa a call today, 803-406-1800. That's 803-406-1800. You can also find her on Facebook and go like her Facebook page at Marissa Kennedy Realtor. That's at Marissa Kennedy Realtor for all of your real estate needs. Again, guys, if you're looking for the best real estate agent and the best real estate team in the local Columbia area, look no further than Marissa Kennedy Realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Coldwell Banker. And be sure to tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show 
sent you. All right, South Carolina hits the road tonight, 6 o'clock first pitch in Rock Hill at the Winthrop Ballpark on ESPN Plus to take on the Winthrop Eagles of the Big South. Their head coach is Tom Riganos. On this 2022 season, Winthrop is 13-22 and overall with a 7-5 and conference record in the Big South. Now, guys, of course, seeing as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, Winthrop actually has a game tonight, so there have been no details announced from either South Carolina or Winthrop on who will start on the bump tomorrow afternoon. But we do know right now, Winthrop has an ERA of 6.13. We do not know, again, who their starting pitcher is going to be. But South Carolina was able to rough up the Eagles in that first game and rough up that pitching staff in a 7-1 ball game. You look at the hitting side of things. Winthrop hitting 253 as a team. So, again, it's been a bit of a struggle, both swinging the bats and on the mound. But they do have some talent. You look at the players to watch when a couple of these names might ring a bell from the first matchup. Joey Tepper, the lone man hitting over 300, hitting 304 with three homers and 17 RBI. Also, C.J. Conrad hitting 280 with a homer and nine RBI, and then Dylan Morton, who's hitting 279 and leading the group with seven home runs and 26 RBI. Now, on the Gamecock side of things, the projected starting pitcher, I believe, is going to be right at pitcher Eli Jones. He has started in the midweek for you each of the last couple of weeks, and I think they're going to continue to bring him along as he continues to come off of Tommy John surgery, so I would expect the righty Eli Jones to get the start. Now, when you look at what to watch for for this game, of course, the rematch factor. South kind of playing Winthrop earlier in the season. I mean, that was a couple months ago. It was like the first midweek game of the year. And the Gamecocks took care of business, taking down Winthrop by a final score of 7-1. to Does that factor in to this game at all? I mean, obviously, the, the teams are in a lot different places. South Carolina will be starting a, a pitcher they did not even have in that first Matchup, and again, that's something else I'm looking for is Eli Jones as he continues to come along and develop and evolve. And is he someone that you'll at some point have available on the weekend? Because right now, guys, as we talked, you are just scraping for arms for anybody who can give you some quality innings. I'm excited to watch what Eli Jones can do against Winthrop. And can he get to a point where he can also pitch on the weekend for you as well? Guys, something else I'm looking for, and we just talked about in the beginning of the show, but Hey, the second half begins. I know we're already past the quote-unquote halfway point of the season as a whole, but you feel like the SEC season's its own season. And so I think this really starts the second half of that SEC trek, and I know it's just the midweek against Winthrop. Can this game just set a tone, though? Can this game set a tone? Also, you've been terrible on the road this season, right? You've been terrible on the road overall, one and seven in road games, just winning a game on the road would be a big deal for this ball club. But again, I think it's so pivotal. And you've been bad in midweeks. So Let's not sugarcoat it. You have. It's important tonight to set the tone for the second half of the season. And again, final thing to watch for, guys, is this. Most Gamecock fans are going to think to themselves, oh, my God, we're playing Winthrop. Okay, no big deal. Just gloss over it. We're going to win. But it's these unique road midweek games that a lot of times you see bigger schools lose. And I don't know if it's because lack of focus or it's just because you're not playing at a big ballpark like you're, you're used to or, or what it is. But do not let the Eagles sneak up on you and beat you because you talk about a painful, abysmal midweek loss. Yeah, this one would fall in that category. So, again, it's a unique road matchup. It's a unique road midweek. South Carolina doesn't travel in the midweek a ton to teams it plays in state but you will be up in rock hill tonight should be a very very interesting game for sure let's talk key player for the game tonight and you look at this roster who needs to step up and is going to help you in the second half and a dude who has played a lot he'll probably start behind the dish for you tonight or he'll probably play for you in some way 
but that is Talmadge Lee Croy, the freshman, which if you look at his numbers, overall hitting 256, um, he's got six RBI. You look at his numbers in SEC play, Talmadge is actually hitting 294 with three RBI. So maybe this is a dude who can come into his own, become more of a contributor for you. Maybe push Colin Burgess a little bit behind the plate because Colin has struggled swinging the bat. But I'd like to see more out of Talmadge Lecro. I think he's a dude that could really come into his own again, like I said, be a big-time contributor for you. Uh, Guys, let's move into my prediction. Is Sal going to travel to Rock Hill looking to get a win, the second win over the Eagles this season, and start a successful Road trip because, of course, you're on the road this weekend as well at Auburn. Need to get things going off on the right foot. You got Eli Jones in the bump. You're coming off of that series victory, winning two out of three over Ole Miss. I know the Gamecocks have been so porous in the midweek and they've been so unpredictable. With that being said, you've already taken these guys down once. I, I don't think you let the Eagles sneak up on you. I don't think Winthrop's even near your level. I think Sal kind of will have a fun night at the yard. I know it's a unique start, uh, a unique first pitch, six o'clock first pitch. It's a unique venue being up at Winthrop, but I don't think that'll matter as the Gamecocks get the W. Lock me in. Give me South Carolina eight, Winthrop two in a game that I think goes very, very similarly to the first matchup where Sal kind of was just really just outmanned Winthrop, and it never really was a close game from the start. So, again, I think the Gamecocks do ride that momentum from the weekend series, taking two out of three from Ole Miss. I think they get the win. They start the second half of the SEC season off on the right foot. They get a road win, just their second of the year, just their second of the year, and I think South kind of comes out victorious. Again, lock me in. Gamecocks 8, Eagles 2. And the Gamecocks get a much-needed midweek win over Winthrop. So, again, guys, hey, that's going to do it all for me. I would love to hear your thoughts on the game tonight against Winthrop. Uh, thoughts on the Eagles, your prediction, key player, anything else you're looking forward to in that game in Rock Hill. Guys, outside of that, appreciate you all tuning in. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support. Like I said, quick reminder, no tin roof show tonight, but of course, the Daily Crow and the podcast rocking and rolling all week long content bleeding out the eyeballs. Guys, it's going to do all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you on Friday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Thank you.